Welcome, everyone, to the True Achievements Podcast for May. Uh, as always, I am your host, OSC Blue Jacket, otherwise known as Jay. Joining me this month, we have Matrark, otherwise known as Michelle, otherwise known as M. Say hello, Michelle. Hello. Not going to do it, are you? Never going to do it? No. Okay, all right. It might be like a Christmas present if, if you keep listening through to the December podcast. We'll see. Okay, fair enough. Uh, and joining us as a very special guest this month, we have Newshound extraordinaire Chewy on Ice. Say hello, Chewy. Uh, <coughs> hello, hello, hello. Wow, Sorry. I was I was unprepared for the Wookiee rage. <laughs> uh, unfortunately for all of you listeners, uh, Rich has been called away on assignment this month. He's busy uh, pecking away at some programming, so he's unable to join us for the podcast, but we have a very strong suspicion that Chewie is going to be able to fill those shoes pretty nicely, uh, and if he doesn't, you can send me all the hate mail you want. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take the take the bullet for you, Chewie. But please don't make me get shot. Please be awesome. Um, but with that in mind, uh, let's kick things off. Find out what we've been playing this past month. Um, Michelle, what have you been playing for this past month? Um, honestly, not a whole lot, unfortunately. Um, been back into Titanfall. I kind of finally bit the bullet on it and said, all right, I'm probably not going to do too much more of the game legit. You know, I like the game modes I like, um, but I have some buddies who are boosting it, and so it's, all right, let me jump in, and I'll just boost. And then I rediscovered, wow, I I really love Titanfall. So been back into that, playing that, boosting it a bit, uh, mostly for the eject uh, kill achievements. Um, so... But also just jumping back and playing it on playing online and having a great time with that. I did not. Uh, I I'm not into the DLC, unfortunately. The lack of achievements. I I think Jay, you've been playing Titanfall as well, correct? I've been playing loads and loads of Titanfall. DLC in your future I, for that? I I don't I don't know. Um, maybe what we'll see. I I don't think I'm gonna buy the season pass. I may wait for it to go on sale a bit. I. I I am curious about uh, Respawn's decision not to attach any new mm-hmm. achievements to that DLC. Although, in theory, they can add achievements whenever they want. Right. Uh, I just... I'm really content with what it's offering right now. Um, plus, I have... I always get a really big sense of um, trepidation about new maps. Uh, just mm-hmm. finding my way around and just... Fl- I feel like I'm flopping like a fish out of water for like the first ten matches until I find my way around. And there are still maps in like the Titanfall base game that I just absolutely can't make head or tails of sometimes. Uh, so throwing new maps on it, I may get to it eventually, but it's not calling to me right now. Yeah, because they, they did a really awesome job within Titanfall of developing maps that are very non-linear. So every time I play the game, I'm like, oh, there's a zipline I never used before. There's a you know path underneath here I can go. So just no want to do it. So, But the, playing the core game of Titanfall has been most of my gaming this month. And... When I'm not doing that, I've been playing Runner 2 a little bit on the 360. It's just mm-hmm. one of those great games to, if you're not familiar with it, it's one of those kind of single button push games where, you know, you press A to jump over an obstacle, but they add bells and whistles so you can hit down to slide under obstacles and whatnot. And it's a great game to play for 15 minutes, but then it turns into an hour because you want that perfect run. Um, but that's pretty much been it for me this month. Isn't Runner uh, like a music-based one as well, so you have to do it? In time, it it is and isn't the hearing music definitely helps you, if if you can hear the soundtrack. I often play it with the sound very low or muted, which is not a commentary on the soundtrack at all. It's it's quite 
um, you know, easy to listen to. It matches the game very well. But I just usually am playing it, again, kind of quick in between things. But, yeah, if you can listen to the sound, it helps. It, the, the beats and the ducking and jumping and all that all matches with the music in the game. Cool. Uh, Chewy, I, you, uh, when we were kind of planning this out, you said you were going to be playing the role of Dog of Thunder in that. You, you, you held strong to Dog of Thunder's old rule to not play anything until it's at least a year old. But with that in mind, I mean, our our community, we play games old and new all the time. So what are we going to play in? Well, um, yeah, like uh, like you said, I don't tend to, to buy new. I don't tend to be on, on trend with stuff. So Titanfall, no idea what that is. <laughs> Never heard of it. Um yeah, so what I've been focusing on is my bean dive recovery. Um, I am fairly close to recovering my completion, um, but I am aware that there's a time. The bean dive is, I think, in July. It's coming yes. up. Yes, July 7th, um, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, so I've been trying to get as many achievements in as many simple games as possible to recover. Uh, mostly using the uh, the easy achievements feature on the site to help guide that, um, but also investigating kind of into some games. So a whole just loads and loads of games, <laughs> about five or ten minutes on each one, just trying to get easy stuff. So anything from a, lo- a bunch of Connect stuff, Connect Fun Labs, which uh, mm-hmm. although the name suggests are not particularly that fun. Uh, game room as well um which thank you very much uh m michelle you uh you helped me with some of the challenges on that yes no problem very easy but very uh life draining i couldn't believe the first challenge you sent was uh, because i own a lot of those game room games i jumped in on that right away because i thought it was such a cool concept and i was obviously Mm. one of like four people who did given how well it panned out and um the first challenges you sent, I'm like, I can't believe that's one I don't own for asteroids. I think, but yeah, asteroids. Everything yeah. that came out after that, I, you know, thankfully we were able to get that rolling for you. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I got the challenges done in that, which was uh, good. And yeah, just just a bunch, loads and loads of games, mostly old games. So um, one that I was pleasantly surprised with was uh, Transformers: War for Cybertron. I heard that was really good. I heard that was. Uh, just a fantastic like third-person shooter. Yeah, I just really, really, I just, I mean, I played the first sort of level, um, and you know, I've been playing through so many games, just one after the other, and that one really sort of stood out as being just really fun. Um, I guess it's the Transformers stuff. If you're a fan, um, they really, really play up to the, you know, they, they, they it's fan service. Um, you know, you can play a whole range of different Transformers, um, and you know, you've got everyone in there. It's good. It's good fun. Yeah, I, I and I know. Um, I think Dave K did an interview with it's High Moon Studios that does that, or am I totally? Yeah, High Moon. Yeah, and I think he did an interview with them some time ago, and they're clearly fans of the franchise and all that, and and you can see that in the way they've approached it. Um, just out of curiosity, Chewy, where, what was your bean dive percentage? What, how much are you trying to recover? Oh wow, good. That is a very good question. Um, so I was around 68% when I started mm-hmm. and I dropped to about 53%. Wow. Um, and that was over 57 games. Whoa. Dived, uh, and I've, I've got another 50 or so to, to dive this year. Um, so yeah, it's been a long journey, but 
I wouldn't recommend it personally because that also means that I have, out of the about 300 games that I have started, uh, probably a good 100, 150 of those are barely played. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, definitely the same uh, thing. Yeah, sucker, sucker for a sale. Um, and I get a lot of stuff. Yeah, I know we're going to talk about it a little later as we get into uh, the, the news portion of the podcast. Um, but I find that Games with Gold has actually killed most of my desire to buy cheap games anymore. Because I feel mm. like at this point, there, there's a reasonable probability that something I want to play is going to be featured. So why am I spending my money? Yeah, it's a good point. I'm one of those unfortunate people who had actually probably bought most of the games that have been games for gold, mm-hmm. but haven't actually started them or barely <laughs> started them. Um, so, yeah, but that's that's my own. That's just highlights the, the addiction. <laughs> right. I know um, the past two, well, this month and then next month are both games that I have or I own disc copies of that I've barely played much. So I'm kind of debating whether or not I want to download those to my hard drive and, and see if anybody I know wants those discs or if I should just hang on to the discs and not load up my hard drive. I, I, I'll figure it out. There's no reason not to download, though, because you can delete them and then just recover them from history. So it's not that mm. there's no yeah. reason not to take advantage of having them. Yes, it's good to just even just go on the site and and hit purchase, even if you're not sure. Mm-hmm. Because if you lose the disc or it gets scratched or anything happens, you can always get the game again. So, any uh, is there anything in your stack of fifty games you're looking to bean dive this summer that you're particularly excited about? That is also a good question. Let me bring up my list, which I have on an <laughs> unpublished blog on the site. Uh, that I've been steadily building over time. I've even made a plan for all the achievements to go for when I'm diving, um, because something that you notice is that the uh, the ratio for the site sometimes lies. Um, sometimes there's a really easy achievement that uh, you can get a lot quicker than the one with the lowest ratio. There's a, there's a thread that people have been building on the site about yeah. what's the best achievement to get for a bean dive. Well, that's what people have been doing. It's sort of, you know, community think. Um, yeah, I think uh, Warm Mints started it, or there's yeah, one yeah. by Warm Mints. Yeah, and, I, uh, I've, been, I've been contributing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's been excellent, because you're right, sometimes the lowest ratio achievement isn't the quickest thing to get. It's you know, just the yeah. first one because of story, but there's something you can do really easy, like change a setting for host yeah. the multiplayer lobby, um, and that thread's really helpful. Yeah. Last year I did Max Payne 3, and it looks like the first achievement you can get is for completing, I think it's the first... Uh, like act of the story, which I think is a good couple of hours in. Um, but then there's one for multiplayer, which is for literally just like, I think inviting friends or something to multiplayer. Um, so if you weren't investigating, you wouldn't necessarily see that one. And it takes two seconds. One I was looking forward to was the bridge. Um, but then I, the review that you put on the site, Jay, I, put me in two minds about it, but I think I'm still looking forward to that one. Uh, State of Decay as well uh, is one that I've been kind of sitting on for a long time, wanting to start, um, but saving it up for the dive. Um, as a fan of zombies and RPGs, I think it'll be good fun. Cool. All right, yeah, The Bridge... Um... I think I mentioned it in the review, but it's it's one of those games where it's 
it's got its moments, but again, it's also got quite a good bit of frustration. If you're going for the full achievement on it or the full completion on it, uh, by the end of it, you're just going to be glad to be done with it. I'll, I'll just tell you that. Um, I think I ended up using a couple of video guides to help me actually get the full completion on it. Yeah. Uh, so on my end, I've uh, I know I mentioned it last month that uh, I had been playing a good bit of Diablo three on a mute. Uh, while my wife was working from home. Fortunately for me, I got like a really, really ridiculously good deal on a set of Triton uh, headphones for my 360. So that allows me to play games on my 360 without disturbing her. So I was able to turn the volume back up on my Diablo, and I actually got the uh, level 30 and hardcore achievement, which has a pretty decent ratio. It's almost a 2.5 ratio. Uh, and I realized that slow and steady was the best way to do that. So I uh, had my... I used my monk character and really buffed out the experience boosting equipment, um, so I leveled faster. And any type of equipment that uh, buffed my uh, dexterity, which is good for attacks, and my defense, so nothing really caught me by surprise. And after just grinding through the same couple of maps a few times to get about two or three levels higher than I should have been, I just crushed through it, and I was at level 30 before I'd even gotten, like, three missions into Act 4. So it was a pretty good deal. Um, it really hooked me back into Diablo, though, which is kind of a bad thing, because I wanted to keep playing a little bit. But I was like, I have no real incentive to keep playing, except to get the achievement for earning 5 million gold, which has a 3.21 ratio, and it's just a mind-numbing grind. How many uh, million are you at now? I'm just under 2 million, and uh, I don't have the exact number of hours I've played in this game, but it's been a lot. <laughs> like, a lot of time. Uh, and it's going to take a lot more to get that achievement. Uh, so I may come back to that at some point, but for now, uh, I'm shelving Diablo uh, for, for the good of the order. And we'll, we'll talk more about uh, the future of Diablo here uh, when we get into news. Mm. Like Michelle, I've been playing a good bit of Titanfall as well. Uh, basically, I've settled into a, a routine of when I get home from work, I basically turn on my Xbox, and I play three, maybe four matches of Titanfall on mute while my wife is finishing up her work day. Uh, but with that, I've earned some pretty solid Titanfall achievements uh, over the past couple of days, actually about the past week. I got 50 wins in Catch the Flag, I earned 500 burn cards, I wall ran for 5 kilometers, and then I got the one that I figured I would never get. I got pull harder, which is kill an ejecting pilot with the plasma railgun, and nice. I still mm -hmm. can't believe I got that. It was like, I'd been sort of trying for it while I'd been playing Catch the Flag, and finally I was playing a mission and just going head-to-head -head with this other guy in a Titan. And I got him down, and he ejected, and he just went straight up, and I aimed up, shot, and it just hit him. And I was like, it, I couldn't even believe it. I, I was barely even trying. It was almost like a hot shot. Um, <laughs> but I'm pretty convinced that that's a very luck-based achievement, because the thing that I mentioned uh, with a couple of other people uh, commiserating about this achievement is that it's really, really hard to tell how far you should lead uh, right. your target with yeah. the plasma railgun. Uh, and that's even more true with some of the other weapons in the game. Uh, it's really tough to get a good bead on how far you should lead, uh, how far you should lead pilots when you're in a Titan. 
because pilots are so nimble and quick that it's really hard to get a consistent idea of how much you need to lead them. But it's it's part of the fun of the game. So I made it, I'm at like level 27 of my fourth gen now. Nice. And uh, the fourth gen um, challenges, the ones you have to meet before you can regenerate to level five, uh, really are challenging my natural play style, which I think is the intent of those. Uh, the One of them is you need to get a ton of kill pilot kills and then just regular enemy kills with the DMR, which is a pretty solid weapon. I don't dislike it, but it really changed how I played the game. I was usually someone who was mid-range, semi-automatic to automatic weapon, and the DMR is pretty much one shot. It's a semi-automatic, so it does fire pretty quickly, but it's also not a one-shot, one-kill unless you hit the headshot, so it's it's kind of a, a good mid-range. It's not quite a sniper rifle. It's not quite uh, like a DMR. It's technically a DMR, but it, it's definitely one of those weird middle areas that I had trouble with, but I finally got all the kills I needed with that, so I switched to uh, now to a weapon that I, I'm more in favor of. But you also need to get a ton of pilot kills with the automatic pistol, which is one of your sidearm weapons. And that's harder than I thought it would be, because those things are really underpowered. You actually, to really get those effectively, you need to be taking pilots by surprise and have that weapon equipped. So I maybe will get one, if I'm lucky, two or three in a match, and I have to be really trying to get them. And then the other ones for Gen 4 are the quad missiles. So you have to get kills and Titan kills with the quad missile. And you need to get critical hits with the charge rifle, which doesn't even unlock until you get to level 33. So I have a feeling I'm going to be spamming the charge rifle quite a bit once I hit level 33. Uh, but I think that's one of the uh, really interesting things about Titanfall is that they do have these very specific challenges you need to meet before you can regenerate. Uh, Michelle, what are your kind of thoughts on those generation challenges? Um, so far so good with generation challenges for me because I'm gen three still. So the weapons I'm using are generally weapons I would use anyway. I'm not like, I prefer using a shotgun, which is the gen two. So that was great. And I adjusted to the SMG in gen three. Um, but I really don't like using pistols because I tend to be, um, I'm not very good at being patient when I'm playing. So I tend to kind of run and gun a lot. And if you're using something like a pistol and you hit someone once and the pilot turns around and sees you, you're going to get killed before you shoot enough to get the kill. Um, so I'm not looking forward to that. And I do have to say, just uh, again, as an aside, I'm super impressed you got that plasma railgun kill legit because I did it boosting. And even boosting it, it's hard to do because exactly the point you made, you have to know how to lead the the pilot just enough um getting killed with the chain gun for eject kills is easy once you get used to it but that plasma rifle is tough so really excellent job on that but you're right it makes you change your play style which is good you're you're experiencing more of the game that way um you'll learn that there are certain game modes that are better to get kills in than others so in gen 3 you need to use you need to get satchel kills and yep. capture the flag and attrition are great for that so i don't typically play capture the flag but it's forced me to play capture the flag and get used to capture the flag so the gen challenges are awesome about making you experience the different portions of titanfall yeah i'm actually uh while i'm working on these i'm, I'm basically working my way down the gameless play types so i'm currently just playing a lot of pilot hunter okay. uh, which 
is good for um it was really good for getting those DMR kills, which you're probably not gonna like getting DMR kills because to really master those, it's one of those where you almost need to camp on like a high point yeah, so you can get a good view. Um, and, and some maps are just not good for that at all. Uh, well, some maps are good for it. Um, right. But it, it's, yeah, um, definitely. It's it's working my way through these different play style or different game modes. It, it's it's really interesting to see how strategy changes uh, across the player base. So I'm I'm still enjoying it. Uh, I'm kind of starting starting to get ready for something new, but for some reason I just keep coming back to Titanfall, which is I think what they really want out of everybody. Yep. Uh, the other thing I played is uh, episode three of season two of The Walking Dead. Uh, the reviews on the site, I, I posted it on Friday. I really, really, really liked episode three. Uh, I'd expressed quite a bit of trepidation uh, about the first two episodes. Uh, episode one was kind of novel because you got to control Clementine and kind of see the direction that uh, Telltale wanted to take season two. But then. Episode two, I was just getting really disinterested and fed up with mm-hmm. the new people uh, that Clementine was kind of forced to group up with. But in episode three, it all it all really comes together. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's it definitely made most of the concerns that I had about season two evaporate. So while in between episode two and episode three, I was kind of like okay, I, I want to play episode three, see where this is going. Now I'm very much like, I cannot wait for episode four because episode three really was incredible. Uh, so I highly recommend that to pretty much anyone. Uh, I gave it a 4.5 out of five, uh, which on our scale pretty much means if if it's a four and you're interested in the type of games Telltale makes, you should probably play it. A five would mean everyone should really play this. So I would say episode three is pretty squarely in between those two, where if you were already playing season two and kind of in the same position I was, you know, take it or leave it, uh, this is definitely one of those take it episodes. So definitely get back into that. Um, Don't let it sit around too much if you uh, are intending to play the whole season. All right. um, Let's jump into some of the news and notable things that have happened uh, over these past couple of weeks slash month. the first thing that came across the news desk uh, was this investigations team announcement. So basically what happened was uh, towards the second week of May, um, the investigations team came out and changed the cheat policy a little bit. And basically this revolved around uh, Halo 2 for the PC, where there was a map editor that came out that allowed you to change some of the intrinsic things about the game. And that was allowing people to pop achievements easier. Uh, but it's definitely something, if you're one of those Halo 2 PC players, definitely read this post. Um, it was one of those policies where I didn't really understand a lot of what was going on in it because I really don't play Halo 2 on PC and it's not a, a big thing in my life, but I know it was a super huge deal to those that did. Uh, Michelle, did what's your take on this here? Um yeah, I haven't played Halo 2 at all, actually. It's the one Halo game I have no familiarity with. Um, but aside from that, I um, I tend not to get too into investigations teams po- team posts as a rule. Uh, there's a lot of slippery slope discussion that happens in those threads that honestly just drives me crazy. 
So um, for my my mental health, it's better that I stay out of them um, because it's always the same discussion. Well, if it's okay to change the the code now or change whatever within Halo 2 to make these achievements easier, then it should be okay to do this other cheat. And what about this other cheat that people use? And is Fallout 3 PC really cheating? And it's mm-hmm. I, I just I really don't get into it anymore I, I respect very much what investigations does I, there's no one right answer because someone will always have a reason why what they're doing isn't cheating uh you know you'll get the discussion that comes back to boosting's really cheating so are we going to include boosting it i just i can't do it um but for those of you who are uh, you know where it affects you it's great that investigations opens this up and continues to evolve their policies and I really respect that they do that because they can be um, difficult about it and just say, well, no, this is the line and it's done. Um, and they open up a can of worms every time they do this. And I respect that they they put that out there for site users. But uh, for myself, I, I just I stay out of it. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your thoughts here, Chewy? Uh, do you delve into the Halo 2 PC or, or uh, really get into investigation stuff? Um, I'm in a similar position to Michelle, really. I um I find that there's it's just a lot of circular arguments a lot of the time, um, and these examples like uh, like Fallout, and I think uh, Call of Duty, World at War is probably another one mm-hmm. where it uh, it just keeps going on and on and on. Uh, but but like Michelle said, I think that um, the fact that I mean it's a it's a really tough gig I think that on the uh, investigations team, uh, and there's a reason that they're uh, sort of anonymous. Um, but uh, yeah, to, to put it sort of out there uh, in the on the site and, and, and open discussion like that, uh, I think it's a, a, a brave move because um, it, it does cause quite a lot of uh, anger. But uh, if you're going to go and, uh, from what I understand on the Halo 2 side of things, you really have to go into the files and, and make some serious changes to uh, to how things are going. So I would see that as, as maybe... Uh, breaking the rules a little bit, but um, I can see how some people would equate that to some of the things you can do in Fallout. Yeah, I think I, I agree with both of you. Uh, I try as hard as I can to stay out of comment sections because it that, that way madness lies a lot of the time. <laughs> uh, but I agree. I think, I think the can of worms essentially gets open whenever you do have games that are on the PC that are a little more open to being manipulated than console games so again i have so much respect for the investigations team because that still is a volunteer job and they they deal with a lot of um a lot of headaches and that's basically their job is to deal with headaches so i uh, if if i ever saw any of them in a pub i would definitely buy them a drink because they uh they earn it uh on to uh a more I don't want to say laid back side of the TA team, but a uh, an equally important one. Uh, the walkthrough team is doing some recruitment. So depending on how quickly we get this edited up, uh, you might still have a chance to apply to be a member of our walkthrough team. Uh, as it stands right now, there are just over 850 walkthroughs available on TA, and there's about 20 or more published every month, and almost 2,000 walkthroughs that are usually in progress at one time or another, which boggles my mind. Uh, So if you're somebody who wants to help out the walkthrough team um, with writing and editing those walkthroughs, uh, please check out that post. It was uh, made on May 9th. Um, There are some questions there on how to apply. You basically need to send a private message to Ergo Me Smart, uh, answer a couple of questions listed in the post, 
And the deadline to apply is May the 24th. Uh, have either of you ever used a walkthrough to help you close out a game? I have. I um, There's an excellent walkthrough on the site for um, Jurassic Park uh, that really goes through everything. Pretty much this is exactly the button you press. So that was a game I was playing in the Great True Achievement Score Challenge. So I was trying to do it quickly, and that guide was great. Um, there's a guide up for Titanfall, actually, that has the list of gen challenges and all that. I've written a walkthrough, which I had a great time with. Um, and walkthroughs are really fantastic on the site, and just like with everything on the site, um, that volunteers get together, and I believe as part of volunteering for the team, you're not volunteering to write the walkthroughs, because anyone in the community Mm -hmm. at large can volunteer. You're volunteering to guide to edit to check for plagiarism because that's a big thing we do not want someone copying a walkthrough from another site and claiming it as their own that you're using your own screen captures or screen captures that you have permission to use or that are publicly available so that that's a lot of what walkthrough comes um walkthrough team comes down to is being meticulous about those details and they really do an excellent job of making sure a site that's on ta is either unique to ta or reprinted with permission from somewhere else so you know that you're not getting into any strangeness when you're accessing the guides there how about you chewy have you ever used a walkthrough to get one of your completions oh many many times Uh, solutions and walkthroughs are what what brought me to ta and um you know some of the stuff on there some of the content is um you know it's really really great but it does require a lot of, you know, of, of time, you know, proofreading and making sure everything is as good and accurate and uh, reads as well as possible. Um, so they definitely need the support. And, uh, you know, I would uh, I would sign up if I if I felt like I had the time. Awesome. So, again, uh, applications, you can find those on the site um, and be sure to check that out if you're interested in helping out our team or helping out the TA community by editing those walkthroughs. Uh, that's enough for the appetizers. Let's get into the meat. Let's get into the big news of the month. Uh, last week, Phil Spencer, and I said this in the op-ed that I wrote, like a digital Moses, brought down the new tablets of Microsoft from upon high and delivered something gamers, some gamers were hoping for and, and some industry experts were expecting. Uh, Microsoft is going to be selling an Xbox One without the Kinect. Uh, and that's going to be $399 or 349 pounds. Uh, so it puts it right in price line with other consoles of this generation. But they're doing it. Uh, they're dropping the Kinect. Um, Michelle, I'm going to let you uh, kind of take point here because I know you are a big fan of the Kinect. Uh, let's, let's just start. What, what are your thoughts here? I think it's what they had to do. Um, you know, when... Sadly, when you really do the math, it's, um, there's a peripheral for the PlayStation 4 that actually, to my understanding, is pretty hard to acquire. It's rather popular, which is the camera. It basically does similar work to the Kinect. Um, and if you were to buy a PlayStation 4 and a game and that camera, it's the same or less than getting the Titanfall bundle with the Xbox One. Um, it you know it all comes back to Microsoft's original poor messaging and bad marketing. Um, I think it's a shame because it's obviously going to stymie Connect development. Although six months into the console's life, have we seen anything so revolutionary or game-changing for the Connect itself that shows that they really need to stick with that? I don't think so. Um, and 
you know, Connect owners like myself don't fret that there's still five million Connects at Xbox One Connects on the marketplace, so it's certainly not going anywhere. Um, I do feel bad for companies like Harmonix, who clearly put a lot behind the Connect engine and is developing Disney's Fantasia with the thinking that there's a total buy-in. Everybody who owns an Xbox One can have the opportunity to own this game, um, and that's no longer going to be the case. And so that's, again, obviously going to peel away from Connect development and growth. But you have to stay competitive, and the way to stay competitive is consoles on the market. Um, and not that the One is a failure by any means. It's outsold the 360 in the same time frame. Um, but it is lagging behind its next-gen counterpart, and they've got to do what they've got to do to stay competitive and keep attracting third-party developers. So um, not happy with it personally, but I don't think it's going to be a real game-changer in the end. And again, do what you have to do to stay competitive. All right. Uh, Chewy, what are your thoughts here? Well, I'm a fan of the Connect as well. Um, I've got one for my 360. I really enjoy using it. Um, but this news is... I'm very conflicted about this news. Um, for the one side, I appreciate that um, the Connect isn't for everyone. Um, I think that forcing it upon people, you know, it's. It, I can see why people are angry about that. There are people who legitimately can't use it for, for its full potential, right. you know, uh, people with you know physical disabilities, um, people who have a small living area. Um, I've lived in about three or four places in the last couple of years, and only one of those places I actually could use the Connect um, properly without sort of squeezing into a corner somewhere. Um, but um, by the same token, I think that it's you know it's innovation, um, and I think that by removing that sort of idea that they are fully behind it, a hundred percent by removing the option to have it, or by adding the option to have it, should I say, uh, to take it away. Um, I can see how that might stymie innovation, um, and we might not see that killer app that could have been coming mm -hmm. for the one. Um, having said that, maybe there should have been one at launch. Um, I don't know if there really was. Um, from what I, what I see, you know, uh, what's there been, Just Dance? Uh, which is, you know, yeah. another dance title. Um, has there really been any other right. one connect? Uh, the fitness stuff, I think, is supposed to be good. Um, sports yeah, rivals. Great. Yeah, mm -hmm. it works. It works really well from what I hear. Um, but has there been the killer app? Fantasia, Harm you know, Harmonix, great company. Um, innovative, you know, they're fully behind the connect. But does Fantasia look like the killer app that could be coming? I don't really think so. So I think giving the choice back to the gamers, yeah, that's fine. There are people who can't use the Kinect, um, who just don't want it, and uh, that's fine. But um, I feel like they're maybe not sticking to their convictions, that they mm -hmm. feel like this was going to be the, the product that we wanted, um, or that we should be having. Um, and I think that's been the story since... E3 last year, really, since the announcement. Um, everything that they pushed, they've kind of pulled back on. Yeah, I, I agree. This is definitely a market-dictated correction, and yeah. I imagine this was a big fight at Microsoft because I'm sure someone can find it somewhere just how much money Microsoft has invested in the development and marketing and production of Kinect. And this move is basically... Well, I wouldn't say it's totally abandoning that, 
it's definitely kicking it to the back seat. Um, Connect was the thing that made the Xbox One very unique, but in the same token, gamers didn't really want it. Um, yeah. They were speaking with their wallets. They were wanting well, see, what PlayStation I, Four was offering, which I is basically you, Jim. Sorry to cut you off, but I don't know that people didn't want Connect. I don't know that that was the reason. People didn't want to spend an extra hundred dollars. Yeah, I really think that's what it came down to. Um, you know, if if Mark if Sony had decided to pack in their PlayStation camera and raise the cost the same as the the Xbox, for example. Are people abandoning? I really, I think it comes down to price tag because you get people who walk in and go, I want a next generation system. This one's $100 cheaper. It's still going to have Call of Duty all the same. That's what I'm going with. I don't think that people voting with their wallets was a vote of confidence or lack thereof in the Connect. I just think it was $100 cheaper. For some people, it was a legitimate issue. Um, but I think for the majority of people, it's, it's just dollars. That's what it comes down to. Now, here, here's my question to you, Michelle. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want to say that's that's incorrect because I think that could very well be the case. But I think it's twisted in the fact that, yes, the Xbox One is more expensive, but I think it was more expensive because of Kinect. And I think gamers saw that and got angry that it was Kinect that was making it more expensive. Oh, and, and I, I would agree with that because if the Xbox One was $100 more expensive because it came with two games, you know, came with two killer app type titles, people probably would buy it because they're going to play those games and that's great. Um, obviously the connect technology did lend to the increase in costs. Um, but I really think at a base level, I, I think most people are curious enough about the technology that they'd be okay. Most people aren't just haters of the tech. There are some, there are definitely some. Um, but it's, it's, if I think to take your question and flip it on its side, if it was the same price as the PlayStation 4, do you think people would still actively avoid it? I don't think so. I mean, I, I do think it's the price is one of the factors, but again, it's it's the value. It's if you see value in having the connect, mm -hmm. it's it's not that big of a deal. Like I I think I mentioned it a, a few times in a few different places that I see the value in connect. I don't think I'm going to use it a whole lot, but I'm glad I have it. Uh, I enjoy using voice commands and gestures to control different aspects of my entertainment experience. I like that it auto logs me in and that I can turn things on and off without having to find the remote, pause things to get up for a snack if I can't find the remote or don't want to fumble with the Xbox controller. I think that's really awesome. But uh, another thing that I think kind of circles around to this is the notion of change. Uh, people inherently do not like change. Mm -hmm. And the Kinect was a big change. Well, I don't think Microsoft is ever going to say we're only going to make... Uh, games that only use the Kinect. I think controller-based games are still going to be very vital Absolutely. for a long, long time. But I think a lot of gamers saw the Kinect and saw it as an invasion of the way they liked the game rather than a new concept. And that change can be scary, and there's there could be a right. lot of backlash to it. Do you think that's going to affect things like Project Morpheus or Oculus Rift? Same reasoning? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, I had the chance to actually sit down uh, at the University of North Carolina this past month and listen to two of the chief scientists from Oculus talk about their plans for the future and what they're working on and how they're working on it. And it sounded really interesting. And the one thing that had always bothered me, and it, it's bothered you too, Michelle, I know we've talked mm -hmm. about this online and off, is, is the idea that uh, virtual reality headsets uh, are very a very personal experience and they kind of remove some of the social aspects of entertainment one of the uh scientists and i forget his name and i feel really bad about this 
was saying that the goal of Oculus, one of the goals, is to make it a social experience where, again, you need two people with their own headsets. They would be able to see each other and interact with each other in this virtual world, which to me sounded really neat. Um, they spoke specifically of one program that somebody had made where it was basically a digital movie theater where when you put on the headset, it looks like you are sitting in this gorgeous, like, fantastic movie theater and you're just watching movies in a theater by wearing this headset. And I thought, oh, well, that's kind of neat. I can see the merits to that. And if you're able to have that experience with other people sitting next to you and when they put on their helmets, they appear next to you in the movie theater, that could be cool too. But I, I think that bringing it back around to the whole idea of peripherals and change, I agree. That could definitely be something that will um, turn off some people who don't want to see that type of change in their gaming world. For me, it's not just about the Kinect itself, though. For me, it's about Microsoft's strategy or seeming lack thereof. Mm -hmm. um, you know, last year, E3, big announcements, and it was, uh, you know, the, the console that was being announced was, was a big deal. It was a big change. It, well, like you say, it's changed. It's, it's a lot, it was a lot different than what people expected. But then there was the backlash, and then over time, you know, straight away almost, but then over time as well, Microsoft has, has kind of pulled out of some of those big changes, those big innovations. If now this is the last thing that they're kind of pulling out of that makes the Xbox more in line with the PlayStation, yeah, that's fine, that's fair enough, you know, competition, equal footing. But next time they say we're bringing this new thing into play, will people believe them? Will people, ha will people stand behind them because they have the conviction to carry something forward? Or will they just think, yeah, but in a few months you're just going to... Actually, actually, no, we're going to not do that anymore. We're going to change our minds. That's a really good point, Shui. Um, and really I, I agree. Point, yeah. yeah, I agree. I That's... think, though, that people generally have a pretty short memory. Um, and it's because these are the same people who will yell and scream about EA's policies towards DLC, but then go buy their next big title. Yeah. You know, it's, it's just, you're, you're going to go with the next big thing and the thing that interests you. I think it, to put it in a nice way, people are forgiving of this stuff. Okay. I forgive you for these policy changes, but this next thing looks cool and I'm willing to buy into it. And am I getting entertainment for my dollar? Um, yeah. but I, I, I agree with you. And I would think from, um, that's not even a, choice or um, a consideration so much for us as the consumer but developers yes the folks developing these games i wouldn't trust microsoft at all at this point when they tell me oh we're 100 percent behind this drm policy we're 100 percent behind the connect and they just keep pulling these things away and again they're smart marketplace decisions and of course they're going to pitch it as but look more people can buy your game now because more people are going to buy this without a connect but again harmonics like their responses on twitter were pretty clear that this was a shock to them and, and not something that they were terribly pleased about because they're putting a lot of R&D and time and development, you know, bodies and hours into developing this thing, thinking, again, we have 100% of this base installed and now they're being told no. Yeah. And that, that's got to hurt these, these um, relationships. Yeah, definitely. I, and even more than harmonics, my thoughts go to the developers who are working on Connect they connect focus, connect based titles that haven't even been announced yet. Like what's what's gonna happen to them? What's gonna happen to those titles? Are 
I, I think that's the real interesting conversation that not a lot of people are probably talking or thinking about. I think um, that's where E3 will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. In a big way. This leads us into uh, one of the questions that came in on the mailbag from Smokey D. Bear. Thanks for writing in, Smokey. Um, Smokey asks, what are your thoughts on Microsoft's decision to sell Kinectless Xbox One? Well, we've already addressed that. But let's get into the second half of this question. What does this decision mean for the future of the Kinect? Uh, I think it means that basically Kinect is now what it was for the 360. It's a novelty uh, peripheral. Uh, not everyone's going to have it. Not everyone's going to like it. It's not going to get the same amount of support that it might have gotten otherwise. Um, I think it's still going to receive some games and some uh, developer support. And I'm sure Microsoft's still going to put money and time into making it seem important, but it's it's not vital anymore. Um, Chewy, what do you think about the future of the Connect? Well, so I have a question for you guys that kind of joins into that. You've both got a one. You've both got Connect on the one. Mm-hmm. The Connect on the one, from what I understand, is a far superior beast than the Connect on the 360. Yes. When the Connect on the 360 was launched, um, there were issues with the motion tracking and the recognition and some of the restrictions of the device that maybe meant that people who did kind of go for it initially maybe were a bit more trepidatious about it. But that's not necessarily the case with the One, as I understand it. The Connect on the One is really good. And I don't know if that is even an argument anymore. I was not actually, you know, very good at recognizing things. So surely the fact that it is such a potentially strong peripheral means that there is the scope to actually make something that is really, really good and that people won't even question, you know, oh, it's a good game, but it never sees me and it never sees what I'm doing. So if even one developer comes out with a a killer app, something that really blows our minds, then potentially that could kick off the whole you know, a revolution, you could have a whole stream of games following that, that that really make use of the technology. But I think it will take that to happen for it not to slowly kind of die, potentially. Unless someone comes out with something that really kind of blows us out of the water. I mean, I feel like that's actually kind of the history of the Xbox as a console. I could be wrong because I was not an early adopter of Xbox in general. But my understanding, and again, I apologize very much to you guys and anyone who's listening if I'm incorrect, but the original Xbox, not to be confused with the Xbox One, wasn't that successful upon its release. It was sort of a pet project and was allowed to be kept afloat, but it wasn't awfully successful. And then Halo came out, and Halo became Mm. that killer app, and it was the thing that catapulted them to some notoriety and then they got to marketplace first with the xbox 360 and that changed the game for them but i think it came back to having halo it had that thing that listen you're not going to get it anywhere else this is the only way it's going to be available to you and you're going to want to stick with us to stay on the ride and there could be something like that for connect but the problem with connect comes down to implementation i like you know, dancing in my living room. I like doing exercise in my living room. I don't want to play a fully Kinect-enabled version of 
Halo. I, I don't want to duck behind my chair to simulate cover, and I don't want to mimic gun movements. And I think that's the difficulty in Connect is how do you make that killer app when that would really mm-hmm. involve utilizing that aspect of Connect, but it's not practical. Yeah, I mean, for me on the 360, like um, the Gunstringer stands out as probably mm-hmm. the game that I say yes, I can see the potential in this and I can see it being something really fun and entertaining. I mean it's a it's a fun game without the connect in it. It's got a great, you know, atmosphere and, and and visuals. It's it's very well put together. But it also makes a really good use of the of the technology for the time and for the restrictions that, that existed. It would just be great to see someone take that and and do that on the one. But Yeah, I I agree with you, both of you actually, that it's still going to take that that one killer app to make the Connect relatable. And fortunately, you know, Microsoft is going to sell standalone Connects for those who just wanted to get in on Xbox One and didn't want to buy a Connect initially. They'll be able to pick one up um, with, in the future. So it's not like completely cutting it out. Um, the one thing that I come back to with Connect is that it's really what made the Xbox One feel next generation to me. Uh, in the small things, the, the voice commands, the gesture commands. I like the fact that it tracks the remote if you're holding it, so that if you set the remote down for a period of time, your controller turns off, so it saves the batteries. Like, I, I'm charging my Xbox One controller far less than I do my 360 controller because the Kinect is always sensing it. Uh, I, I think it's those little tweaks. While they may not, you know, add up to $100 worth of value, I think they're the things that make it really special and unique. So, um, I think what the sad, not sad thing about it is, is the killer app for the Xbox or for the Kinect rather really wound up being speech. Mm-hmm. Um, the ability to say what you want your Xbox to do. If you look at the comments for that, for that article, most of the comments come down to, yeah, you know, love connect, hate connect, whatever you think, but you really ought to try it at least for the speech. Um, and I have no idea the practicality of this, but you would think if, if Microsoft could develop a one that just had those speech capabilities, that would be the hot seller. Because that's what people seem to love about it. None of the tracking stuff or getting up and using like Skype on the Xbox One, which is awesome because the cameras, um, it's it, really the speech is what people seem to love about it. Yeah, I, uh, I agree that I use the voice commands way more than I use the motion commands or the camera. Uh, the camera auto logs me in, but that, that's about it. So, all right. Well, that's that's the big news. So hopefully, um, just for like the purpose of, I'd say, keeping the industry competitive, hopefully this boosts Microsoft sales a little bit more. Um, I, I think it is worth saying that the Xbox One wasn't, quote-unquote, hurting sales-wise. It was doing fine. It just wasn't selling as well as the uh, PS4. So I, this move is firmly to hopefully shore up that gap. And hopefully it does, because if they stay equally competitive, that means it's going to be a better environment for gamers on both, for both consoles. So hopefully that happens. Um, other things Microsoft has announced to continue to make the Xbox One see like more of a valuable proposition. Um, two smaller announcements came out the same day they said they were Offering a one or connectless Xbox One, um, they announced that 
Xbox apps no longer require gold subscriptions, so that means you can use your Netflix, you can use your Hulu Plus, you can use your HBO Gold, or HBO Go. You can do all that stuff without needing Xbox Live Gold, uh, which is great. Uh, so there's a full list of what you can get without gold and what you still need gold for embedded in that story. But really, it's the... Um, it's it's the big the big story that you no longer need that gold subscription to use a lot of the entertainment apps which Xbox has worked so hard to court. Um, so that was the announcement, and then the second one was the revelation of Xbox One games with gold starting uh, in June. So in June, Xbox One owners who have gold will be able to download Max: The Curse of Brotherhood and Halo: Spartan Assault, and then the 360 games with gold will be Dark Souls, Charlie Murder, and then the bonus title, Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition. Uh, the one change that did happen with Games of Gold is that really they really put it more in line with the PSN Plus games in that if you ever drop your gold subscription, you will no longer be able to play the games you get through the promotion. Uh, so really, I, Michelle, you've said it before, and I agree that once you have gold, you really tend not to drop it. Um, so I, I don't see that as a huge negative, but those are the other two big announcements here is uh, games with gold and then the apps no longer need gold. Uh, Michelle, what are, what are your thoughts here? I mean, I think it's pretty straightforward that this is Microsoft trying to be a little more competitive uh, with Sony, but uh, what are your thoughts here? I, I agree with you. Um, there really was no good reason for many of the apps that were behind the paywall to stay behind the paywall. Um, you know, Netflix really being the biggest example. Um, and I think they, with the one now they have, it's gold for home. So it's, you know, anyone in the house it attaches to, there's something I, I saw it in passing and I'm sorry, I didn't research to figure out exactly what that means. Cause I have gold anyway. So when they make these announcements and sort of like, Oh, okay. And it doesn't change anything for me. Um, but they needed to do that again. It's about being competitive. And, and that is another reason why people would buy playstations, you know, well, I have a housemate or I have a friend who comes over and I, they, they have their own account, but they don't pay for the premium subscription. So they can still use the stuff. Um, and it's, it's wonderful to see games of gold coming to the one. Um, this means people with a one and a 360 will now have four games every month coming to them. Um, it's still a little vague with what's going on with the one. There seems to be some kind of hub they're going to launch for Xbox Live Gold members, and that's probably where you're going to be able to download them, because a common question is, can I queue these games? Like, I can queue the current games with gold. Um, which, if that's the case, then yes, you will need gold and need to maintain it and whatnot, as you were saying. But uh, just what you said, Jay, they need to do this to be more competitive within the marketplace. So, um, not surprised to see it. It's the right way to go. Yep. Chewy, what are your thoughts here? You know, I don't think that... Uh... With the apps, um, I don't think many of our community are using gold just for entertainment apps. Mm -hmm. um, you know, most of the guys on the site here are going to be uh, using gold for, for gaming. So I don't think it's going to have a huge effect. Having said that, I have friends who this that will affect. They, they have uh, 360s and they have gold to, just for uh, what we have here, BBC iPlayer, um, which is a, the equivalent of Hulu there. Um, and things like Netflix, so they will definitely benefit from this. Um, but um, you know, I don't think for me that it's not a huge, it's not a deal breaker. Um, having said that, with the games with gold, 
um, you know, free games. Um, everyone's happy unless you've already got them. Um, and the more they can offer, the better. I, I'm still not sure of some of the finer points of how it works on the one, because um, like, there's this idea that there's like a like a hub that you can go to um, right. to kind of, I presume, get the content. Um, not sure how that exactly is going to work. Um, with the PSN stuff, you know, you, you can play it for that month, but you don't necessarily, you know, you don't keep it. I'm guessing that's not going to be the case here, and you can carry on playing the games indefinitely until your gold runs out. Um, if your gold does run out and then you get it back, do you lose it? Well, that's how what PSN Plus works. It's it, You download it and you keep it until your subscription is done. So it's not that you just have access to it for the month. I don't believe it's... Oh, really? You keep you, those you games, forever. yeah. Oh, okay. So Microsoft's basically going straight in line with that policy. Um, yeah. At least for the one. Uh, it seems the 360 is still going to continue. Download it, it's yours forever, it doesn't matter. And yeah. I'm Again, I'm not 100% sure, but with the PlayStation, I do believe that if you let your account lapse, you lose it. But if you restart your account, you still have whatever you downloaded during the period you had your account. And it seems like Microsoft's doing the same thing. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's great. I I think that uh, it's interesting that they're they're giving away these free games. Um, When they first announced the the one at E3 um, with the DRM um, stuff and... um, you know the digital gaming. It was. It seemed that they were kind of bringing it more aligned with Steam, uh, where there would right. uh, potentially be a lot more offerings, a lot more sales, a lot more kind of cheaper, cheaper games going out there. Um, I would personally like to see that. Um, you know, uh, where it's not just you know a game for free, but uh, more kind of competitive sales, competitive pricing. Um, that you kind of get on Steam, um, but I don't know if we'll see that anytime well, soon. Well, Microsoft said in in addition to the one games with gold, there's also going to be discounts of 50 to 75% on content that's already available. So um, it seems like they're trying to follow that, and, and obviously these would be digital versions of the content, mm. so it seems like they might be trying to copy that model as best as they can without freaking everyone out, which is what they're former policies did it just it scared people that they can't have their the physical media so it seems like they're trying to kind of work their way to it but in a way that has better integration with people what people expect yeah baby steps Mm -hmm. all right well this leads us into our uh, question of the month which comes from blazon buckwheat uh thank you for writing in blazon who asked do you think these recent announcements are because of phil spencer and how does that make you feel about the future of Xbox? Uh, so I know last month we talked about Phil Spencer being promoted to the head grand poobah of Xbox. Um, yeah, I think this is definitely because of Phil Spencer. Uh, Phil Spencer has always had a very keen understanding of what it is gamers want. And I think these moves, while they might not have been because of him, I think they are fully endorsed behind by him. Um, so... I, I could definitely see this being his doing, and definitely he's the guy who's delivering it. Um, I, and I think it means the future of Xbox is really bright. I think it shows that it's they're going to respond to what gamers want. They're going to try and deliver what gamers want, and hopefully do it in a way that uh, will allow them to keep the gamers they have and court gamers who are still trying to make those decisions. Uh, Chewy, what do you think about this? 
Yeah, I think it's an interesting idea that uh, this guy's coming in and he's making these kind of sweeping changes. If you weren't aware of Phil Spencer and his um, his input into this, you might presume that it's just Microsoft as a kind of as an entity um, doing what it's kind of been doing for the last well since E three last year. Um, but maybe with this new presence, it's more about kind of wiping the slate clean uh, going forward into kind of this year's E3 um, and saying, you know, we're going into E3 equal footing and we're going to hopefully present something that's really going to blow you away. And I, I'm, I'm hoping that that's kind of the, the strategy that he's got. All right, Michelle, what are your thoughts? Well, I, I agree. Uh, the timing obviously isn't coincidental. He takes over and we get these broad changes. Um, I think he's doing what's right for the business. Um, you know, as someone who supported the Xbox One, largely because of my gamer tag and all that, obviously, but also because of what appeared to me to be Microsoft's willingness to innovate and bring change and do bigger and better things. This is all very safe. Yeah. But my hope is that it's kind of safe for now so they can get back to that. I mean, one thing about removing Connect and removing DRM policies on it, the one still has the infrastructure for all this stuff. And we talked about this way back when, when the DRM stuff was changed. It still has the ability to be that. They just patched it out for now. So they don't have to make a big change to make it happen. So I think they're baby steps. We come back to that. He's doing the right thing. It's clear messaging. Look, we have new games with gold. We're getting rid of the paywall. We're coming in line with our competitors so we can all get comfortable with where we are now. And then we'll start making the changes if they are right to make and they make sense for business. So I think it comes down with him. I think the future is bright because all that stuff is still there. And I think this, this gives the Xbox a better install base, more, you know, leverage with developers and such. So I think we're going in the right direction. I just, I hope that this isn't indicative of his sense of creativity and innovation, that mm -hmm. he tends to just play it safe. I, I don't really know much about his history and what he's done with other companies. So, I, you know, maybe he has done that. But just looking at Xbox, that's the only thing I hope. But I think we're going to see great things from him. I agree. I, I think... This, uh, as I mentioned kind of in the op-ed that I wrote, uh, this basically clears the board. It sets everything back and it lays it all out for E3. It's, E3 is coming and, and we're going to talk more about it. Uh, I think we're going to have a special E3 edition and I know we mm -hmm. have some questions coming up in a little bit, a little bit more about E3, but I think, um, I, I know I was talking with Dave K after this, after all these announcements were made. And I said this was smart because it gets all these big sweeping changes out of the way, gives timers, gamers and the press time to discuss and disseminate and analyze all of them, and then clears the way for brand new announcements of new stuff and new games, and basically clears all this big stuff out of the way to allow games to shine at E3. Uh, speaking of games, we've had some pretty big game announcements come out just this past week. Uh, the first one, um, more Halo. Halo 5 Guardians was announced. Uh, we all know more Halo was coming. They teased it at E3. But officially, Microsoft confirmed Halo 5 Guardians uh, just this past week. Uh, the important thing to know is that they're making this on a new engine. Um, it's going to run at 60 frames per second on dedicated servers. And the character that was teased in the artwork this is actually a brand new character. Uh, I'm trying to find the quote here. 
but uh, Josh Holmes, an ex- the executive producer at 343, said, for everyone speculating about this mysterious Spartan in Halo 5 Guardians, he's not Palmer or Cortana, he's a new character. So that alone just injects a little bit of mystery that I'm sure is going to get cleared up a little bit at E3, but what are you guys' thoughts here? We got more Halo coming, which doesn't surprise anybody. Well, I think if you look, somebody else pointed out, but if you look at the... Um character graphics or i'm sorry not character graphics but you look at the one image they released um you know halo 5 guardians and um you see someone with a different looking visor and, and there are all sorts of things you can just it's a single picture but like you know orange is the color of one set of people and blue is the color of others that a female spartan on the top because there really haven't been female spartans that are noted um on the top half of that image or or not is that people looking into it too much and this is always brilliant they release one thing and everybody goes nuts so um i'm definitely excited for it but in a total hold pattern about what to be excited for until we see more about it cool chewy what are your thoughts here well i have to admit that i'm not the biggest halo player you're fired Um, you're stopping (laughs) uh i mean uh first person shooters in general don't tend to me my bag um I mean, I have played the Halos. I've got played. I've got three. I've played a bit of uh, Reach, uh, ODST. Um, I've obviously been following the news, and it does look pretty cool. Um, I've noticed quite a few comments of people saying it's not Halo anymore. To me, I don't know what that really means, um, but it's. I don't know. Do you, do you guys feel like it's going in a different direction, or there's any major changes, or is it is it still Halo basically? I, I have no idea what people are saying when they say it's not Halo anymore. I agree. It's Halo Four was a Halo game. Uh, Halo Reach was a Halo game. It's granted, it's it's a new team at three four three, but mm. this is a team that has been handed the reins to Halo so that Bungie can move on to Destiny. Um, I enjoyed Halo Four. I thought it was great. I really liked it. It felt like Halo. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I just feel like no matter what anyone does with a franchise that is loved, it's going to upset somebody. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with it. It's. I think most of the people are saying it's not Halo anymore are people who they played Halo when it was Bungie developed and just whatever it was about the 3431, they just didn't like it. And so that's permanently marked it for them. Um, but I... I I don't see anything different with it either. The playability is pretty much the same. Um, you know, there's the story is fine. The, they, they definitely paid a lot of attention to the canon when developing it. But it's still Halo. Yep. And I'm sure we're going to learn more about this at E3. Uh, they've teased that there's more coming in. Uh, another game announcement, uh, Diablo 3 Ultimate Evil Edition is coming to all consoles. So, there will be a 360 version, there will be an Xbox One version, and in addition to the previously announced PlayStation versions. Uh, so, for me, uh, have either of you two played Diablo 3? No. I have dabbled on the PC. Okay. I'm, I'm very divided on this, uh, because I want to play more Diablo. Uh, I want to play the new content and all the new stuff, uh, but I don't know if I want to spend 60 bucks on an Xbox One version, and I don't know if I want to spend 40 bucks on a 360 version. Uh, so I, 
I know this is the way Blizzard does their business. They release expansions, and those expansions are priced along a similar model. And I know I would love it if I got it, but I'm also like, I just, I don't know if I want to invest that money in playing a game that I've already played and put a ton of hours in. Uh, and I think another interesting thing is going to be, what are the achievements going to look like? Yeah. Are, are they going to completely redesign all these achievements, or are they going to keep them pretty standard and just add a few new things for the new content? Well, with Diablo 2, at least, um, the expansion pack, it, it wasn't just what we now kind of consider DLC, which is additional content separate from the main game. It actually went in and it, it changed quite big elements of how the main game played. Um, they added content to the main core game. So if they're doing that again now, I mean, I, I, I haven't played the expansion stuff on the PC, but do you know if it adds a lot more to the game? Because if it does, then I can't imagine they, they would be missing an opportunity to kind of add achievements that kind of play to the new content in the core game. Well, I know that uh, the Reaper of Souls adds a new act. Um, so there's another chapter added along to it. Uh, on the PC version, it, redes or it tweaked how loot was dropped and how loot worked. Uh, which I think they already did some of that when they released the console version. Mm. But I just, I, I'm really curious. I'm going to follow this with a little interest, but uh, because I, I loved playing Diablo. It was so fun, so addictive. Uh, I just, I'm skeptical to be investing more money to play the same game with a little more content in it. Um, if they just offered the expansion as a digital download, that would augment my current retail game, I would have no problem paying 20, 25 bucks for that. I would do it in a heartbeat. But I don't know if I want to pay for a whole new retail copy. That's just kind of where I am there. They, they, I mean, they, they could do something... Um, you know Dragon's Dogma? Um, they did a similar thing with that when they made a, quite a few changes and they made it Dragon's Dogma Dark Arisen, which had new content but also made quite a lot of changes to the core game. And you had to kind of buy the whole thing again, basically. But they offered people who did that, who had the original and then up, up kind of upgraded, like a lot of um, like bonus stuff, basically, to kind of reward them for, for making the jump. Um, if, they did, if they did something similar to like that with Diablo, do you think you would uh, be more tempted? Yeah, I, I would definitely be more tempted if they put some sort of incentive program in for those who had already bought it. Uh, although, if I know business, video game business, uh, I doubt that's going to happen. <laughs> uh, because there will be enough demand for this that they may not need to. Um, I hope they do. But, I mean, I was I was wrong. I didn't think that Microsoft was going to release a uh, Titanfall bundle, and they went ahead and did it. So, who knows? I, I, my prognostications have been off for a couple of months now. Um, I would love to see him do it. So. Um, let's uh, move on to the other predictably big announcement. Uh, the next Hall of Duty was announced and teased. It technically leaked, and then activists were like, fine, we were going to do a whole thing, but here, just take all the stuff we were going to announce. Uh, and Kevin Spacey is going to be featured in it as a character. Uh, I'm not a big Call of Duty Fan. I really don't play the games. You're fine. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Uh, but it is one of the biggest franchises, if not the biggest franchise in gaming. So 
this is pretty huge news that they're going to be um, that Kevin Space is going to be in it. This is the first game that Sledgehammer is taking the full reins on. Uh, it's going to be based in the future, and it's going to be not the government. It's going to be a paramilitary unit that you're going to be working in. Um, so I think that's kind of neat. Uh, I will be following it. I, I probably won't play it, but I, I think it's, as always, Activision's pulling out all the stops in Call of Duty. Uh, Chewy, what are your thoughts? you Call of Duty, since you're not Halo? Uh, I have to say I am not... Um... Yeah, first-person shooter again. Not a huge. Again, played them. Um, a lot of my friends have got them, but um, I actually really enjoyed the original ones, the the World War Two ones. Um, but then, as they've become sort of more modern and more multiplayer focused, um, it's I've lost my interest. Having said that, you know I've I've been following the the trailers and the details and stuff, and you know it's intriguing. Kevin Spacey, you know he uh, he can sell it. Um, but um, ultimately, is his role in the campaign going to be as much of a focus as the multiplayer element, which is, you know, what a lot of people think is the main driving force of Call of Duty now? Um, and if that's the case, then I'm probably still not too interested. Michelle, what are your thoughts? I'm also not the biggest Call of Duty player. Um, what I'm most curious about, though, for those who are Call of Duty players, is what their take is going to be on a on another studio handling the franchise. Um, Call of Duty gamers who play yearly are used to this, but even amongst them, they have, I play the Infinity Ward game, I play the Treyarch game. Um, so now you have a new challenger. You know, is this going to be the, you know, another company that you're going to be jumping on their game? Um, because if you don't like it, now you're down to one Call of Duty every three years, which is kind of a big gap between the ones that you like to play. So um, I, I'm not going to play it myself, at least not when it releases. But I'm curious to see how this studio fares handling this franchise. Yeah, I, I suppose my two follow-up thoughts are... We're, uh, our community is obviously a little more plugged in than your average gamer, and your average gamer just sees Call of Duty and goes, oh, it's Call of Duty, it's done by Call of Duty. They may not realize the different studios <laughs> right. behind it, so I think it's a name that kind of sells itself to more of the gaming public rather than the, the super hardcore plugged in gamers. Well, I think I think even casuals, though, would know I prefer Modern Warfare to Black Ops because they have separate numbers amongst themselves. Like I, I, I You're right, definitely our audience is way more particular. Um, but I, I still think people I know who only play Call of Duty, they know enough about Call of Duty to know that Black Ops is different. The big thing that I think they missed out on, um, I really love Game of Thrones, the uh, Netflix adaptation of the BBC show that features Kevin Spacey as a power-hungry climbing representative from the great state of South Carolina, and... I think they missed out on an opportunity. Uh, his character in Game of Thrones, or not Game of Thrones, House of Cards, actually plays video games uh, to unwind. So he's a very high-ranking, powerful member of the U.S. government that comes downstairs, and I think they showed him playing like God of War Ascension, and they showed him playing some Battlefield and some Call of Duty oh, wow. at some points. Uh, if they would have found a way, I don't know how they could have done this, to make his character, like the Francis Underwood character in Call of Duty... Just this power-hungry, manipulative Southern Democrat be like this ultimate like puppet master in Call of Duty. 
I would have bought it then. I would have played it then with, without, without even thinking about it. That definitely would have happened. What I just took from that was that I really now want to see Kevin Spacey in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. I... <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't, that, that may be too much. I don't know if you could put Kevin Spacey and Peter Dinklage in the same scene. I think it might oh, explode. That would be amazing. That would be amazing. That would be really cool. And now, now I'm thinking about that, and that's that's bad news. Because as we record on Sunday, Game of Thrones is on tonight, so I'm very excited for that. Um, let's get to our, our last uh, news story that it it's, doesn't quite have the gravitas of those first three, which are big, super huge AAA titles. Um, but Defiance is going free to play this summer. And they're doing a really interesting thing where if you actually bought the game... Uh, they're going to incentivize those who already did buy it. Um, they're rewarding the existing players. Um, they'll get a payment of 1,000 Arc Forge that can be used for upgrading and adjusting weapon mastery, power rating, and rarity. And they'll also receive a 30-day pass as a Paradise Patron, which involves boost to skill, XP, script, salvage, and reputation gain rates that stack with boosts available in the store. 10% uh, store discount on boosts, costumes, lockboxes, pretty much everything. A daily grab bag of two-hour boosts, Arc Forge from daily and weekly Arc Hunter bonus lock boxes. Um, so I think that's the right way to do it. In that, if you're you're taking uh, an MMO and shifting it from a model where you had to pay for the game to a free-to-play model, incentivizing those who actually were your initial customers, uh, I think that's a super smart move to do. It's something that I really hope happens as more MMOs come to console with this new generation, uh, especially with the news that the uh, Elder Scrolls Online is being delayed on consoles, so that's getting pushed back so Bethesda can continue to tune that experience. Uh, but I think in, in the scope of MMOs on consoles, uh, what, what do you guys think about this? The, the fact that for the first year or so, Defiance was a, a purchasable, you had to buy the game, Granted, you can find it on ridiculous sale. I think you can still find disc copies of it for ten or fifteen dollars, brand new in most places. But now they're shifting it to free to play. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts here? I'm scared if I'm developing Elder Scrolls Online. Like, I just the console marketplace has been very resistant to paying more. Than, like, we're already paying a fee just to have multiplayer anyway, and then additional fees for playing a specific game. Um, you know, this this is one of those things that shows that maybe it's just not the right environment. But this is also Defiance versus Elder Scrolls. It's not a very well established franchise. You know, if, if um, I can't think my but um, if one of the well noted Warcraft, you know, comes onto Xbox and they charge a monthly fee, that's obviously a better bar for the success of something like this um, in a bigger scale. But I, I'd really be rethinking that strategy. Yeah, uh, Chewy, why don't you jump on in here? Well, I mean, as you guys know, I do the um, the stats, the stats articles on the right. site, and um, I mean, over the last year or so, basically the tables just are filling up with free to play, um, and you've got games on there that uh, just they stick around and they're consistently popular because they're free. Um, so I think that for their install base, for their you know user base, uh, it's going to be great and people who are still playing defiance are gonna find a lot of new people to play with 
because as far as I can tell, the, the community has kind of dropped off quite a lot. Um, and it ties in with the, the new season of the TV show. Um, so, I mean, that, that's the, basically the reason behind it. Um, and the TV show is very much tied into the game experience. So whatever, you know, stuff's happening in the TV show happens in game, from what I understand, um, and vice versa. Um, so it makes sense. Um, however, having said that, um, free to play is the bane of my life as a, as a statistician <laughs> on the site, just because everyone's, you know, that's what a lot of people are playing because it's free. And I don't necessarily know if it maintains the quality all the time. Um, cause you start to see quite a lot of, I don't want to say shovelware, but, uh, especially on the, um, Windows Phone and things like that. Mm -hmm. The free-to-play stuff is sometimes a bit subpar. Obviously, Defiance didn't start that way, but um, I don't know. Free-to-play for me is a is a sticky area, and I'm, I'm not too keen on the idea of microtransactions on the whole. Um, something else is they haven't said what the um, the pricing model is going to be for the actual the extra stuff um, that you might want to get. So the incentives that they're offering might not actually be worth very much um, depending on what the pricing model ends up being. Right. And I think it, it all comes around to the skepticism with hardcore gamers about free-to-play for all the reasons both you just mentioned, that quality can be questionable. You don't know exactly how much you're going to get before running into a paywall. And when you get that paywall, it's going to be worth actually investing into it. Whereas the public at large sees free to play and they may only play it for two hours. They may spend money. They may not. Um, but it's making developers money. It's, it's why the industry is shifting that way. Personally, I would much rather pay 60 bucks for a full experience and then pay a little more down the line for DLC than get a free game than have to pay 10 to $15 every couple of weeks to keep playing. Uh, to me, that's, that's just something I'm not really interested in. Let's go ahead and jump ahead now. That that was the news section for this month. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't really get any achievement challenges for us to work on this month. Womp womp. Boo, I was hoping to get one on my inaugural month. Well, we may get you one for next month. We'll see. And you can report back to us on whether or not you did it. And that'll be, that'll be your trial by fire. So... Um, before we close up, we'll, we'll take a minute and say what each of us plans on playing in the next month and see if the community will step up to the plate and give us some challenges for those games. Um, but let's, uh, let's jump into the mailbag because we had a couple of other really good mailbag questions that came in. Uh, Dark K Player 2 actually sent me a PM with the question, what is the hardest achievement on each live platform you've ever earned? Just wondering. Um, so I went ahead and just kind of took a look at my achievements. And when it comes to quote-unquote hard achievements, I think there's two different types of hard achievements. There are hard achievements that require a great amount of skill and or luck, and then there are hard achievements that take a lot of time and dedication. So when it comes to time and dedication, the one that I'm probably the most proud of is the CEO achievement in Syndicate, which requires you getting a 100% completion on everything, and that has a ratio of 4.35 and a base score of 100. So it's by far my most valuable achievement um, on TA. And if you're looking at the skill-based achievement that I'm probably the most proud of, it's 
probably the pull harder achievement that I just popped this weekend um, from Titanfall. We have to kill the ejecting pilot with the plasma railgun. Uh, aside from that, uh, most of my like really quote unquote hard achievements are just grindy, where I had to spend a lot of time really just focusing in and going through to get them. Um, for instance, like completing the Brigmore Witches DLC from Dishonored without alerting anybody, or getting through the main game in Dishonored without killing anybody, or getting through the entire Deus Ex Human Revolution without uh, tripping any alarms. Um, those are the ones that uh, are typically hard, that I typically enjoy the most, because it requires like a constant dedication, and it, it's more of uh, an experience rather than a skill. Uh, Michelle, what uh, Xbox Live achievement or mints are you most proud of here? Um, yeah, and just like you said at the top of your uh, answer, um, hardest achievement means a few different things. I mean, insofar as time investment, definitely seriously in Gears of War, which is because it's not just a time investment of you know playtime, but getting other people together and getting that done and all. Um, but the hardest achievement skill-wise for me that I earned was probably finishing Guitar Hero 3 on Expert. Yeah, that, that's that's ridiculous. <laughs> but that's why I joined TA. Because when I saw the whole concept of it, like, hey, that, that 5 gamer score is really worth, you know, 25 gamer score, whatever it was worth at the time. Um, like, that, that whole concept was just like, alright, I like getting rewarded for the fact that this achievement is much more difficult. Um, and we all know with, like, if you were to look at my top 10 ratio, it's always something from game room because, um, people just don't grind it out. But if, for hardest achievements, definitely expert in Guitar Hero 3. Chewy, how about you? What are your, the, uh, the hardest achievements you've earned? Well, I was looking through my, um, achievements one and organizing it by ratio because I thought that was probably the best way to get a good overview and I'm just not a very skillful gamer. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm I'm quite ashamed at the fact that almost all the games I've completed are really quite easy. And uh, any of the harder games I may be able to do, uh, I've mostly just played them on normal. I haven't really pushed myself on hard or expert. So I can't find any actually hard achievements. And I, that, that makes me feel really... Well, kinda... don't... Don't bad forget, being like, on TA, which is like, oh, it's terrible. But don't having forget said that, that that hard doesn't mean necessarily high ratio, right? There yes, are plenty of and, yeah, yeah. And go... like you were saying, grinding and what I would also add to that, collectibles. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say they're hard in terms of skill, but the amount of time and dedication and uh, being extremely thorough that you need for doing something like that. I have a few of those. So uh, Far Cry 2, um, acquiring all of the conflict diamonds in the game, wages of conflict, you know, that takes a, a good long time and quite a lot of planning and uh, printing off a map and ticking things off. And uh, that, was a, that was quite a lot of work to do. Uh, so I, I felt quite proud of that one. Yeah, I was just, I, I sorted mine by ratio as well. But if I just look at the, TA score of the ones that are most valuable. Um, it's CEO from Syndicate, the Madman achievement from The Witcher 2 Assassins of Kings, which is finish the game while playing at the dark difficulty level, which is the hardest. Um, Foxiest of Hounds from Deus Ex Human Revolution, completing it without setting off alarms. And then it's 
uh, Halo Reach, complete campaign on Legendary alone. Um, a lot of these are, a lot of my hard ones are beating games on the harder difficulty levels, which invariably typically have a higher base score, and then their ratios are usually, you know, nothing to sneeze at. So th those are typically my toughest ones. But yeah, I, I feel kind of happy to say my most recent achievement is probably the one that's the most <laughs> difficult. Yeah. So that's... Well, I was shocked because uh, when I looked at my ra high ratio ones, two of my top five highest ratio achievements are for Game Room. And I both got, I got them both this week, which are the ones yeah. I was just talking about earlier, which was completing challenges, which basically means that I messaged Michelle, <laughs> said, "Hey, can you can you lose some of these games for me?" <laughs> and, I, and I sent I, I sent some challenges. She lost them, and then I got two extremely high ratio achievements. So there you go. Yeah, anyone with the game room completion, that usually if you um, have the spot on your homepage where you organize by top 10 um, by ratio and you don't set it to one per, you know, only max of one per game, it's just game room the whole way through um, because it's it was free to play, right? Free to start and a lot of people got it and started up and got those first, I think, eight achievements that you can get free and then they had no investment in it after that and it takes quite a bit of time. Well, let's move on to our next question, which comes from Triple E Double Zero. Thank you for writing. With all the changes that Microsoft made for the achievements for the one, including the challenge, what are you most pleased slash unhappy with in relation to the achievements in the first six months? What is your trophy achievement or challenge of the one? So I haven't really noticed many of the changes. Uh, in challenges or achievements added to games, uh, but frankly, I, I've really only been playing Titanfall on my one, uh, and I've already said the trophy achievement I have is the pull harder. Um, but Michelle, uh, what are your what's your trophy achievement for the one, and what are your thoughts on this um, on the ability to add or change achievements and challenges? Well, I think <clears throat> the biggest uh, note in the changing achievements and challenges is what happened with Killer Instinct, right? Where they on the I said we're lowering this to 200 games instead of 2,000, but that didn't uh, impact me personally. Um, I, I mean, I, I haven't really gotten those difficult achievements on the one yet. Um, I would say, insofar as the challenges, um, they're kind of a mixed bag. I really love the concept of them, get in them, you have limited time, but they can be frustrating, and not because of difficulty, um, but Rayman... Um, Legends, actually. I When I got the game, I got it day one, chose to get it for the Xbox One instead of getting the 360 version earlier. And I was like, <clears throat> the um, the reason I'm getting it for the One is I want a full completion. I want to get the full uh, gamer score, but I also want to get all of the challenges done. Well, none of the, well, not none, but half the challenges didn't track properly. So you could have done the challenge, but because they made some error in how they tracked, they're gone now. There's never a chance for being patched. There's never a chance for that being fixed. The challenge is done and over and won't be fixed. And that drives me crazy. Uh, not that I care from a completion point of view, but that makes the challenge frustrating because there's no recourse. You can't go back. Um, yeah, I've earned a few challenges. I'd say the one that I was most proud of was actually getting rank 50 in Titanfall within the first month or whatever. It's the first 30 days. I don't remember if it's the first 30 days or the... With, by the end of March. I think it was by the end of March. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was really happy to get that done because it meant I was actually playing a game. I just dropped $60 on enough to do that. Yeah, I got that one too. And that was 
that was something I, I felt pretty achieved doing that, which was great. Um, Chewy, when you get your Xbox One, what are you looking forward to? I'm actually looking forward to um, some of the uh, ID at Xbox titles that are coming out. Um, I mean, the the fact that uh, independent developers can uh, self-publish to the one, I think, is quite a, an exciting thing. So, I mean, we've already had um, Strike Suit Zero and Nut Jitsu um, from that program. So, for me, that's something that's quite interesting, and I'll be looking forward to that. Um, in terms of the achievements on the one so far, and the sort of completions that are out there, um, from a stats perspective, it's quite interesting because um, I'd say the majority of games actually have, at the moment, quite a low-ish completion percentage. You know, most of them are kind of under 10% of players have completed them. And uh, a lot are kind of hovering around that kind of 3 4% mark or lower. Uh, so if you have a completion on the one that kind of sits there, I think that's quite a big achievement at the moment. Um, uh, I think, what is it, Titanfall is like 0.99% of players have completed it, which is, considering the how many there are, that's that's huge. Um, but there aren't that too many that really easy games on there. Um, those kind of avatar-type games. But it's interesting because all of those ID Xbox games um, and any games that are going to come are going to be the full 1,000 gamer score. So if a game is easier or shorter, like you might expect from the arcade at the moment, you can, you're looking at 1,000 points. And I know that for some people that's a kind of a bit of a sticking point. Not Jitsu, 56% of players have finished it, and it came out last week, two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm kind of not surprised that not many people have completed Titanfall, just because while there is the, the seriously equivalent of seriously achievement in Gen 10, which is reaching the 10th uh, generation, which means you're going to have to level up 10 times and complete all the challenges to match all those gens. In addition to that, there's also winning 50 of each game type and killing all pilots during single evacuation, which that's... I don't know how to do that without boosting. That's very... Your cards have to be fall absolutely in your favor to get that. Um, yeah, that does not surprise me that not many people have completed it. Yeah, 0.99%. 394 people on site have completed it out of almost 40,000. Wow. Um, Angel SK asks, what do you think might be announced at E3 if they've already announced Games with Gold for the One and no paywall for apps? Um, my, I, I can answer this with one word. Games. Yeah. Lots and lots of games. Um, to elaborate on that, we're going to see, we're going to see more from Halo 5 Guardians. We know that for certain. Uh, I would imagine we're probably going to see some kind of a teaser for Black Tusk doing something Gears related. Uh, there have been leaks, uh, which we haven't run them yet, but there have been some pretty good leaks that 343 is putting out a Halo anthology thing for the Xbox One, which is basically going to have all of the Halos with the exception of Reach and Halo 3 ODST. So that rumor is rumored to be coming. Um, I don't know, though. I, I What I'm more curious about is, 
Are we going to see anything announced that is coming out before the end of the year? Because I feel like so much stuff right now is being announced and saying, and it's coming out in 2015. I want to know if holiday season is going to get crazy or if it's just going to be the stuff that's already there. Uh, Chewy, what, what do you think is going to come out of E3? Well, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. I think I think you know games. Um, there's been so much in the way of announcements pre E3, especially with this um, Connect stuff and uh, the games with gold stuff. But I think, like we said before, they're kind of wiping the slate clean and, and opening the way to saying this is what we're going to bring to the console, which is games, um, and focusing really on that element of things. I'm personally looking forward to some of the games that they teased last year, but then we haven't really heard anything about since then. Uh, I'm seeing things like Star Wars uh, Battlefront, uh, Mirror's Edge, which, you know, got me personally quite excited. I know quite a few people on the site have been uh, hoping that there was going to be another Mirror's Edge, but since last year, we've heard zip about that. So I'm hoping that they'll follow up with something this year. Cool. Uh, I, I'm wondering if we're going to see any more of Quantum Break from Remedy. Because that's another yeah, game. That's, that's another one. Just vanished. Yeah. yeah. We, we, they talked about it at E3 a little bit more after E3, but really haven't heard anything for like the past six months. Um, Michelle, what are you thinking? I know we've already... I feel like by the time E3 eventually goes around, we'll have answered this question many different times. Right. But uh, what do you think uh, could be announced? I mean, I think it has to be games-focused at this point. I think this E3 is going to be about going back to basics. I hope. Um, they could have something under wraps. I, I mean, we know that, I, well, we don't know, but Sony's already talked a little bit about their VR headset, the Project Morpheus, and I imagine that a good chunk of their presentation is going to center around this. Um, I mean, you would think this close to E3 would already know rumblings if that was Microsoft's intention. Um, so I, I hope we're going to see a games-focused E3 where we'll really get stuff to be excited for. Um, but all these announcements, I mean, you know, the 399 Xbox one connectless Xbox one, obviously the lack of pay. Well, these would be amazing E3 stories that the, the kind of things that they would win E3 over if you can win such a thing, because these are the things gamers wanted. So if they're already playing this hand this early, to me, it means they, they've either got something so under wraps that's so amazing it's going to blow everything out of the water or they're in trouble and don't have a whole lot to show us. So it's going to be one extreme or the other. Um, I really have no idea what to expect or what they're announcing, but I, I agree with you guys that we're, we're going to see more of games that we've heard nothing about over the last year. Uh, my, my prediction is we will probably see a new bundle for the one, uh, taking Connect out and putting a game in, maybe something like Titanfall or possibly that Halo anthology that, that's being rumored about. Uh, just something to give another value add for the Xbox One. And then we'll probably see one more um xbox 360 bundle uh to get like the last gasp out of that probably like throwing in two games and really just trying to get the last couple of buyers out of the generation uh, who would still be interested in buying the 360 but th that's the hardware announcements that i would expect but i i really do think like we all said it's going to be big focus on games and then possibly some service announcements for the xbox one to uh continue to entice people to buy into the um, the experience Microsoft is offering. All right. Speaking of games that are going to be available, let's talk about uh, games that are coming out soon. So 
Uh, the Games of Gold on offer right now uh, through the end of May is Saints Row the Third. It's a very good game. Make sure you download it if you have gold. Uh, I haven't played much of it, but it's very good. Uh, June's 360 Games of Gold are Dark Souls, uh, Charlie Murder, and Street Fighter for Arcade Edition. And going on further down, uh, May 27th, we have Watch Dogs coming out for the 360 and Xbox One. Uh, Bullet Soul Infinite Burst for the 360 is coming out on May 29th. June 3rd has Murdered Soul Suspect. Um, that's for the Xbox 360 and the Xbox One. Uh, June 10th, Enemy Front for the 360. Uh, June 17th, EA Sports UFC um, for the Xbox One. June 25th, Valiant Hearts The Great War for Xbox One and the 360 Arcade. And then finally, June 27th is Grid Autosport for the Xbox 360. Anything in there sound good to either of you? Um, I know Watch Dogs is kind of the only thing out of that list that sounds good to me. Uh, I'm kind of interested in the games with gold titles. Uh, but, uh, Michelle, anything you're looking to buy out of these new recent upcoming releases? Oh, I'm um, buying from the new titles? Uh, I'm going to wait and see on Watch Dogs. You know, um, I've said all along, this seems very ambitious. I'm really curious how much it will deliver on that promise. Uh, sounds good, Michelle. Um, Chewy, anything out of that list look good to you for you to play like a year from now since you're inhabiting the Dog of Thunder role? <laughs> yeah, so um, Watch Dogs, uh, obviously that's the kind of big one coming out that I think quite a lot of people are interested to see how it goes, um, me included. Um, I have to say I have been following Murdered Soul Suspect as well. Um, looks like an interesting adventure from an interesting perspective, investigating your own death um, as like a detective. Um, and one thing I would recommend if anyone hasn't seen it yet or looked into it is Valiant Hearts. Um, check out the trailer, which came out, I think, a few days ago last week. Um, looks like a really nice, uh, really well-made, put-together uh, title with a really nice art style to it. All right. Yeah, I, I, I've i basically seen just a little bit about Murdered Soul Suspect, and that looks like one of those games where it could be cool and innovative and unique, or it could just be a total weird bag of something. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I, I will I will be looking at the, the reviews that. Yeah, and I haven't heard anything about Valiant Hearts, so I mean... I recommend you take a look, well, definitely. Yeah, Valiant Hearts is uh, it's a, made on the Ubi Frame Art engine, yeah. which is the same thing that did Raymond Legends and uh, Child of Light. Um, so it's it's just it's refreshing to see these two D you know beautifully illustrated type games on the console, and they tend to do well with a niche audience, but they do well within themselves. So I'm looking forward to that too. They did a they did a thing recently where um, people could submit images of their uh, World War One memorabilia from like their grandparents and stuff, and they were gonna um, put some of it in the game. They were gonna. Um, create artistic versions of that memorabilia and, and put it in there. So I thought that was a really nice kind of way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting touch. All right. Well, on that note, let's get out of here. So you can uh, follow True Achievements on Twitter. We are at True Achievement. Uh, you can follow Michelle if you'd like to see her TA status updates. She is TA underscore Matrark. Uh, Chewy, what's your Twitter handle? You're at Chewy on Ice, correct? I am. 
very original. Yes, and I am equally original at OSU Blue Jacket. Uh, you can also join our Facebook group and our Google Plus circle. Um, you can actually start looking for us on MySpace if you want to spend all day looking and never find us, because um, we will not be on MySpace. I have to MySpace. say, I have seen some stuff in the forums floating around that has uh, hinted that a MySpace may be in the works. Unofficial. Unofficial. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's the sound of evil laughter as I lift to smite it. Um, all right, excellent. Well, on that note, uh, on behalf of Chewy on Ice and Maytrark, uh, this is OC Blue Jacket signing off. We will see you all back here next month um, for all kinds of E3 goodness. So uh, keep gaming, pop those achievements, and be sure to uh, send us achievement challenges. Um, that's one thing we forgot to say. Uh, I know this month I plan on playing more Titanfall, uh, and then I will be getting back into XCOM, the Bureau of Classified. If you want to send uh, some achievement challenges to me from that game, feel free to post them in the comments to this story. Uh, Michelle, what do you plan on playing this next month? Um, I plan on playing Titanfall. I plan on playing some Child of Light. Um, I'm also actually hoping to get back to my 360, um, talking about getting back to finishing the Ghostbusters campaign, since I bothered to do all the online for that, and, you know, without the glitching, so that might actually make me do the Ghostbusters campaign, so if you have a challenge for that, that would be fantastic. Alright, Chewie, what are you going to be playing? We can get some people to challenge you to stuff. Well, I'll be, uh, continuing with my bean dive recovery, um, which means a lot of easy stuff. Um, I'm looking at things like Sesame Street, Once Upon a Monster, which uh, will be a lot of fun. But uh, basically, if it's on my card, I will have it available to play. So if you look at my my games, uh, just feel free to challenge me and I'll, I'll stick the disc in and give it a shot. I'll give it Excellent. a good old college try. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Okay. No fakesies this time. We're out of here. So on behalf of Chewy on Ice and Matriarch, this is OC Blue Jacket signing off. We'll see you back here in June with all kinds of glorious E3 announcements. Keep gaming. We'll catch you here next month.